T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside history, the podcast you've all been waiting for eight plus years in the making. Here it is, the permission granted podcast number 400. We began this project when we were doing the overnight show way back when we began on CBS Sports Radio in January of 2013 with the overnight slot 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. We then transitioned into nights, 6 until 10 p.m. Eastern time, then into mornings or mid-mornings. We were on 9 to noon Eastern, and now in our morning drive spot at 6 until 10 a.m. Eastern time. During all of those shows, the idea was to have kind of an after-show analysis or arm programming, some type of show, podcast form in this way, to explain or analyze, break down the radio show. But at first, the PGP was not about breaking down the show so much. It was about an addendum in programming. It was a way to do some deep dive interviews. And so we'll walk through the evolution of the PGP here on PGP 400. At the start, it was Mraz, myself, Schwartz, and Kenny Brock. Now... It's Mraz, myself, Andrew Bogus, and Pete the Body Bilotti. So myself, Mraz, and Bogues will take you along on this ride here. And thanks, everybody, for subscribing to the PGP. Now it has its own podcast feed, so you can search Permission Granted and find all the PGPs. Way back when, it was also on YouTube. Now you can also get it as well on the DA Show's podcast feed, or that's where it was always found, by searching the DA Show on your favorite podcast platform. So Plenty of places to find it. Now it's on the Odyssey app as well, and you can find the podcast many places. So are we we ready to do this? Mraz, you are ready at Mission Control here? I am ready. A lot of moving parts. I'm nervous about this show. I'm more nervous nervous about this than a current Canadian bacon. So let's do it. Why is that? I think there's just a lot of moving parts. We, you know, there was a lot of deep dive. There was a lot of uh, listener interaction and, and pointing us in the right direction of clips. And, you know, something like this with a lot of moving parts, I just want to make sure it goes off without a hitch and we go down memory road here. Okay. Well, Bogues is also with us. Bogues, now some of the early clips, 
you will have not been part of the show, but you were working for CBS Sports Radio, so you must have generally been aware of some of the characters on the DA show and some of the, the nonsense that we were up to. Well, Kenny Brock remains one of my favorite humans, so there is so there is that. Right. Um, but really, you know, my experience of your show back then, because I got in after you were done, so I almost never saw you, but unfortunately I saw a lot of Sean and a lot of Peter Schwartz with a little Brock mixed in. So you guys are definitely on the periphery, but I was a DA show newbie uh, until you guys got out of that god-awful time slot. Okay, now you're talking about the overnight slot. Once we got to the yeah. evenings, you were a little bit more familiar with our with Yeah, our because work. I was awake when you were doing things, yeah. and like, and so other people knew about it to then talk about it during the day. Uh, that 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. window can be kind of like a desert. Okay, so let's date back to the PGP number one. Again, this was a brainstorm that I had that I said, well, we should have a place to do some long-form non-sports interviews because the show obviously was sports-oriented. We didn't do a lot of non-sports interviews. We, we talked a lot of non-sports, as we always have, but this was a place to get some bigger guests, bigger names, interesting names, unique names that maybe we wouldn't do on the show as well or give us a long-form platform to deep dive where we couldn't do that with eight or ten minutes on the air. So our first guest ever was longtime sports broadcaster Pat O'Brien, who if you are a, a fan of, let's say, the NBA of the 80s, he was one of the faces of the NBA during the Bird of Magic years when it was on CBS, all of those finals games and playoff games. So Pat O'Brien went through a lifetime of alcoholism, finally beat it, wrote a book about it, and I said, instead of having him on for eight minutes on the radio show, let's have him on long form to kick off the PGP. So this is actually the first ever intro and interview content from Permission Granted Podcast number one. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Well, this is different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's not the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Instead, it's the Permission Granted Podcast, which is going to be all unique content uh, for the podcast that you wouldn't normally get on the show. We have interviews of sports-related figures forever, starting in the early 80s, right through the late 90s. He covered the NBA, NBA Finals, uh, the NFL, many other sports for CBS. He then moved into the entertainment industry, entertainment world, and so if you're a little bit younger or you're into that, you definitely know him from that coverage. Pat O'Brien has spent decades in the business and now has a new book, a memoir. I'll be back right after this, which opens up a lot about his life. And Pat joins us here on the show. Pat, how are you? Damon, great to connect with you again. And great to be anywhere near CBS Sports. I mean, how many times have I said, welcome back to CBS Sports here? I mean, uh, good 
good God, it's like home for me, but it's good to talk to you. And you have interviewed and, and, and seen in their most intimate moments uh, some of the, the biggest names, the brightest stars, the greatest legends we have, whether it was Magic, whether it's Michael, whether it's Tiger Woods. You know, I think we always see their greatness, but because you were able to get close to them, could you see as well their vices or their weaknesses? Because these are guys that are put on such a pedestal by everybody that doesn't re they don't really know them. You know, the weaknesses I hated to lose. I mean, I've never seen, you know, Jordan for one, and you know this as well as I do, this guy, and Magic too. If you play in pool with Magic, you play until he wins. Uh, if you're playing cards with Jordan, you play until he wins. <laughs> And uh, you know, I've played golf with them, and, that, and, and they're winners. They, they're winners. And, uh, you know, off the, around me anyway, they were always great. And, uh, you know, Jordan had, uh, I point out in the book, I told quite a bit about Michael in the book. Remember, we used to call him Mike, uh, Mike Jordan. Um, he had more security in those days than the president, you know, like 12 security guards. Uh, so it was quite the storm to be involved in with Jordan. August 2014 was PGP number one. That was it, August 2014. So just about eight years ago this summer. And the intro was different, Mraz. I mean, we went from that intro, which is similar to the one now, and talking about legacies with Pat O'Brien to talking about Ed at shortstop, a monkey <laughs> in a sports movie, or why you got four oinks instead of three and a half oinks in Canadian bacon. I think we have truly devolved over eight years. What an incredible turn. And I remember the very origins of the first meetings discussing the PGP with you, myself, and Kenny Brock, and your idea behind guests, different guests. Let's branch out, do a little something on top of just the normal sports. And it's so funny to look back at that original guest list, starting with Pat O'Brien, a, a, a ton of great comedians, and doing interviews like this. And I realize now that we've evolved to mornings eight years later, Geez, we'd kill for the early PGP guests now is from a producing standpoint. Well, what's that saying? No, it's not saying anything. No, no, You're we have the guess. booker. No, no, no. We, I know, I know. We'd no, no. kill for these guys, no, Bogus. No, 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 no. Nowadays, we'd we kill for me to do that much work. I don't mean I don't mean that I, I shouldn't be. I'm doing a bad job or I shouldn't be a bad job, but it's just funny that it was looked at as we could only do this on the podcast. We're now in mornings. You know, doing morning radio, these are the type of guests we would eventually, you know, shoot for. We have, you know, actors and comedians on from CBS. And that felt eight years ago, or I guess it's eight years ago, right? So foreign to the idea that that's what we should be doing, and we were putting it on the PGP. Right, because of Pat O'Brien, we had a Brooke Burke, yeah. we had a number of very funny Eliza comedians. Eliza Schlesinger. They would not probably do overnight radio. They right. Would probably not do an interview for overnight radio, so that we had to kind of find a different platform for them. But how about that, Bogues? Yeah, once upon a time, man, we used to get pretty big guests. So that was pre-Odyssey, pre-Entercom. That was just straight CBS Sports Radio management. I'm assuming they had lawyers, DA. What were those conversations like as you were naming <laughs> this podcast? Did they want you to go down the copyright infringement path as well? Or do they not care about those things, like with one giant leap, step, jump, bounce, whatever the giant podcast is called now? Very little oversight. Probably didn't even realize we were doing an ancillary podcast. They didn't? Okay. They just let us do whatever we wanted. We uploaded it. I forget. Oh, the picture might have just been a homemade graphic it of was. the DA show. And it wasn't uploaded to our normal DA show feed or PGP feed like we have now. 
we had a separate podcast uploader, you know, <laughs> that we found on the internet where you could probably download Oregon Trail and the Permission Gridded podcast, <laughs> and that's how it got out there, which is why YouTube was such a big uh, component to our podcast early on, pushing it on YouTube. The reason that there's a different open now, it's it's very, very similar, but the reason there's a different open is that at some point in time, remember, our company said you can't use licensed music on the air, or at least you can't use it on the air if you're going to use that in podcast form. So that's why we had to shift a lot of our music, and that open is an actual song. And I had to find a different song that was from our generic music library and recreate the permission granted open. Yeah, and again, we didn't even have a production team make the open. This was no, all with no, you. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think I did that at home on my laptop, so... <laughs> <laughs> By no the way, cap in those days where was cap in 2014 oh yeah i don't know i think sirius XM. probably at sirius oh, yeah, yeah that's true yeah probably. i should have known that i was there as well yeah. almost 2014 <laughs> we kill for a cap oh, Are you kidding me yeah well hopefully one day we'll get a booker that can get those types of guests back on the show <laughs> not a good crossed. start to pgp 400 for me not a good start we would kill for those guests now <laughs> you're the same guy booking <laughs> I could I mean, get them it, for a podcast nobody heard of, but not a great morning show. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't book Cap after he finally writes his memoir, then really what good yeah. are you? That should be the one guest you can land down the road, an old Cap, a la Pat O'Brien, writing his life story. <laughs> you better be able to get him on side C with Connor. So we now shift into some of the lighter moments in PGP history. So what is next up as one of the most memorable moments in the uh, in the PGP's illuminated history? All right, DA. Well, we're going to jump 168 PGP. Okay, so we're fast forward. We're fast forward about quick 50 here. a year. So yeah. now we're into what year three or yeah. year four? Quickly. We have, last week. We've actually surpassed the entire evening portion of PGPs when we were in the wow. evenings. Not one. Now, again, we, we had reached out wow. to a lot of listeners, direct us in the right. You can't fit everything. It's 400 PGPs. Yeah. So we get to PGP 169. And frankly, I will just tell you before we play this clip, a moment I don't remember happening at all. And I'll give her a tip. Adriana, our longtime listener, Adriana, told us this is by far her favorite PGP moment. Okay. And uh, this came when you questioned uh, potential nude pictures of me that had surfaced on the internet from one Jay Berman, a co-worker, who was rooming with me on a Giants trip. That's right. So you guys went to Cleveland, right? Was this the Cleveland trip? Well, it was the one Atlanta of them. Trip? We did Cleveland, Atlanta, and Tampa. Okay, so at one point you're in a hotel room with Jay Berman, former update anchor here on CBS Sports Radio. He takes a photo of you barely dressed, yeah. posted on social media, and I was like, once again, there is a common theme here. You represent the show and the network. Here's PGP clip number two. A picture of my bare ass, two smushy white ass cheeks looking like two craters of the moon put together and split by the Mississippi River, <laughs> which it just had about 15 Bud Lights in Tampa Bay in this picture. And now he just says he deleted the picture, but I don't I don't think it matters. I think it lives up in the cloud forever. And now I feel like it's freaking Kate Upton and Justin Verlander with those risque pictures. That's what I look like right now, Pete. Whoa. How ridiculous is this? It's gone too far. Look, look. I said this. It's never it's every risque pictures of you, but I'm sure, you know, your girlfriend's got pictures of you. You no, know, no, hands swinging. No, no, that doesn't happen. No? But I certainly... Do live a a, a non uh, 
you're not out there. Lifestyle. I live a TMZ lifestyle. You do. You can find me. I don't. You can't find me. It's hard to find me. <laughs> it's got to end. It's got to end. I'm all for a good laugh. I'm not good for ruining somebody's reputation. And now my reputation is that I have a white hairy ass. Actually, you know what? It could lead to more calls. What? What do you mean? No, uh, you know the you know bad press can be good press as well. I think Dude, I, I can't, that up, I can't yeah. host four hours taking pictures on my ass being on no, Twitter. No, obviously not, but you might get more interest. You never oh, know. So, so this is like the Kim Kardashian video. Like Could she be. got the show Kardashians after a, a sex tape with Ray J. Right, how, how, so this is my sex how, tape. How does the guy with the milky ass sound? I, I don't even know how to respond to that. You just called my ass milky. Well, like, like a homogenized milk. I mean. <laughs> A bottle of homogenized milk. Basically, craters. All right, it's too much. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Pete calling your ass milky is a tough thing to hear in retrospect. Homogenized milk. Homogenized. Homogenized milk. You heard me wrong. So, how about this, Bogues? <laughs> Pete trying to sell Merez. There might be more interest in the show because there's pictures of his bare ass on the internet. Yeah, this one really encompasses Pete. Like, aside from his ridiculous comedic skills with drops, everything you need to know about Pete on this show exists in this, I don't know, was it 90 seconds or two minutes? In particular, the great reference. I'm surprised that, you know, milky ass doesn't come up more as a drop in the show. True. But True. That that bit of logic that this somehow would mean more listeners for Sean. <laughs> this is the third time I've heard this clip now, twice in preparation for taping and now during taping. And I still don't follow Pete's mind, which I probably think is a good thing because that happens a lot. Like Pete's got his own set of references and metaphors and connections. Most of them are dated, which is why we miss them. Um, but I, this one... This one, I'm not really sure how it would work, and I guess we never actually found out because we didn't um, put Sean in the pork store fast enough to see if you get more calls off his ass being on the internet. And usually, Mraz is not embarrassed at all about pictures on the internet of him doing or saying ridiculously offensive or lewd or crude things, but in this case, he was. I could only imagine either A, it was because I came down hard on Mraz like, hey, you represent the show, and now you're (laughs) naked on Twitter. For sure. Or B, the only thing you were annoyed by is that you didn't like how your ass looked. Not that right. it was naked on the internet, well, but just that it was a bad shot of it. It definitely was milky white, so that was accurate. I didn't like that. Um, I, I definitely didn't like that you came that hard on me. And I think, you know, you got to realize this is a few years ago. I definitely probably would care less about my bare ass being out there. Now, that's a whatever. Because I've, and honestly, it shows the hypocrisies of the show. DA has a major problem here with my ass being on the internet, but, you know, give it six months. If I lose a bet, put him in a pink Speedo in Central Park, <laughs> and basically we'll see almost everything but his bare ass. So there's a lot, a lot of what's not good for the goose is good for the gander here. But, yeah, Pete, I, I, honestly, Pete's psychoanalyzing is what's incredible <laughs> about this clip. And about Pete asking about his girlfriend at the time. Yeah, before he ma- wow. married Bridge. Unbelievable. Now, yeah. luckily, we don't have any bare-ass pictures of Pete on the internet from his girlfriend. That would be rough. That was also... Well, and- yeah, go ahead. And folks. luckily, too, guys, um, that girlfriend is now his wife. Because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be allowed to play this clip. Oh, good point. <laughs> we would have put the kibosh on this. Good point. This was also an era where we were all a little worried about what Jay Berman would put on the internet or what he would text everybody. 
Berman had this kind of like devious way of collecting our most awkward moments in picture or video form. And then at your most vulnerable, he would send them to the group. And right. it was like he would dangle like the, what do they call Bogues? The sword of Damocles above you or something like that. Like, yeah, that I can't help you with, but it, but the what? timing of this is also key to me to point out is there was it was instantaneous that something would happen on the show, off the show, and then the Berman pick would show up. But like he was <laughs> always ready, and he knew exactly the right one to send. It's like Pete and the drops. Berman has these photo drops, and yeah. they're perfect, and they are almost the second after the actual incident happened. How would you describe Jay Berman to the outside world? Because a lot of people that listen to our show are probably not familiar with Jay because he never worked on our show full-time. He did other shifts full-time, and then he would do some part-time updates for us when we were doing nights. But I think, and then he left CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, I... He was kind of, he was an agitator a little bit. Yes, I think he was a little bit of a maxidomi to take a current... Uh, <laughs> Thing. I think that was going on. Jay Berman, to me, I, dear friend, I think is the funniest dry humor person I've ever met or even like listened to. There's a lot of dry humor comics. For inner circle jokes or whatever, Jay Berman knows how to deliver the right. But if you only meet him for like two, three times, you probably get an extremely bad vibe from him and don't think he's funny. Yeah, you'll get a standoffish he thinks he's better than me type of vibe. Right, which is not how he actually is. It's just, that's that's his vibe he puts off, but that's not really who he is. He's a hysterical guy. I mean, he's been to a couple birthdays. Yeah. Really, really good dude. <laughs> I think there was one birthday where he drank so much he fell asleep in my common area. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> happened, yeah. In your, in your common area? You in a dorm room? Where, where was this party? Apartment. It was in the apartment building, and, you know, there was like a, a common television room that the whole floor could use. <laughs> and he went in there, and he had done something, I drank think something. I think you were keeping the ice somehow or Maybe, something. I don't know. And then he just passed out in there and was <laughs> gone for three hours. <laughs> like, where did he go? But he's a, he's a great guy. And so, yeah, the the ballad of Jay Berman. We used to call him Bitter Berman, remember? We did. Yeah. He was always so salty. Angry. Still bitter. Throwing haymakers. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he still is Bitter Berman. Just we don't see him as much anymore. <laughs> We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, moving ahead. We go to PGP number 196. Now, if you're a listener to the DA show, you know the name Shep because we bring him up often, but he has never actually worked full-time on our show. He's been a part-time producer here at CBS Sports Radio for many, many years. Scott Farrell originally was the nighttime show, 10 until 2 Eastern time. And so we used to follow him doing overnights, and then we preceded him when we did evening. So we got to know Scotty Farrell and his whole group of guys really well. And Scotty was always great to us, hysterical, helped us out with bits, and he's a living legend in the sports talk game. Well, when they had somebody out, they would always bring in Shep to be the second producer, the third producer as part of that show. So we got to know Shep kind of from an an outside perspective, seeing him work on a different show, but around us. And then ultimately, every so often, he would fill in for us. And then he left radio altogether to go to Teach for America and became a middle school teacher, elementary school teacher. I forget what grade it was. I think middle school. I think middle school, but now that you say that, I don't fully remember. In the Memphis Central School District, which happens to need teachers and is one of the more difficult places to to teach and the school system doesn't have a lot of funding, et cetera. So he goes to a very difficult place that needs resources, but then leaves there after two years to come back to radio. And so here was a Shep visit to the PGP here on PGP number 196. Mikey B, the producer, Mike Biseglia of Taz and the Moose, comes in and goes, Shep is in the building. As though he had just seen Sasquatch. <laughs> like, I got to tell you, Shep. And I said, what What do you mean? He goes, I, I just saw Dave Shepard. I said, you just saw Dave Shepard? He said, yeah, just Shep is in the building. I've seen him. Shep returns home to retire as a member of CBS Sports Radio. And Dave Shepard joins us now. Shep, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I'm big fans of you and, and Mraz, and I'm so happy for your success. Uh, Mraz has taken off. He's like a comic. Really has, Oh, huh? my God. You talk about a Producing guy a second show. Yes. Doing some hosting. Yes. How, how uh, from a host perspective, how are you dealing with this? Because obviously his responsibilities are now split. Yeah, I have been worried every step of the way that he would uh, end up, because we know work ethic is not one of his his great strengths. Never has been. That he would drop the ball more often. Now, I will say, I don't think he's dropping the ball more often. Right. Um, so that's been good, but he's on a tight leash right now. Not dropping the ball more often. Uh, uh, yeah, that's code word for he continues to drop the ball, just not <laughs> any more than he usually does. Yeah, it hasn't been higher than before. I mean, we had no guests on Monday, but right. we've had no guests before. <laughs> So right. We have right. Shep on the podcast now, so <laughs> things are right. going well. But uh, I am very happy for his success, and I'm happy to see you back here in the uh, in the studios. So, have you signed a full time uh, like a full time contract with us, or are you returning for to be a starter, to be a role player? What's going to go go on here? So, I'm more of like an instructional spring training guy. Okay, right. So you're like Garth Brooks in spring training. You and. <laughs> You put me in the same sentence as Garth Brooks. You already got my head big coming oh, in this oh, room. Oh, oh, right. There's uh, the fake accent. <laughs> oh, right, oh, right. We always know Chef has yeah. that good Southern accent coming yeah. from Connecticut. No, but yeah. Well, now it's a th- now it's legitimate. 
But uh, so so for me, right? You gotta, you know, I tell my students this all the time. People have jobs, people have careers, and then people have a purpose. And if you can align your job and career with your purpose, you're a very lucky human being. So there is an intentional effort to keep education the way it is, to keep it archaic, to keep it obsolete, and to particularly keep minorities in a position where they are oppressed. And this is not a theory. I can back this up with data and information. I can pull a David Fisdale right now and say, take that for data. Nice sports reference. Thank that is good. Wow, that's Corny but good. Thank Effective. you. That is a classic Shep moment there where it, it kind of touches Bogues all of the, the Shep PowerPoints here. Number one, you come in hot with a lot of um, compliments, okay? Then you get into something where you deflect from yourself by saying, boy, he's gotten real big. What do you think about that? Then it gets into something really deep out of nowhere. Like, wow, we're getting into the education inequities in America. Didn't see that one coming. And then it kind of wraps up with, like, slam it home with a basketball reference. <laughs> like, that has everything you want in a Shep performance, you know? I, I can't tell if we did JR dirty by not playing this clip for him before they hired Shep to run his show, <laughs> or if this would have made him hire Shep quicker, since we don't know JR's motives for aligning with Shep. But yeah, this is like the previous clip was Pete in a nutshell. This is Shep oh. in a nutshell. The the kind of fake accent interviewing you about Mraz. <laughs> I mean, that that is Shep. And the one scary thing. And he's probably going to listen. He's probably going to be mad at me. But him referencing my students, those are scary two words together. Much like when Sean said my sex tape in that earlier quick clip as well. You don't want those words shrunk together. Um, I think we can all say Shep is where he should be. Um, and being a student of JR, I guess, on our on our weeknight show. It's awesome that there was a moment where Shep returning to the building was a big deal, but it's true. Yeah. He was gone for two years. Yeah, and Shep and- is, has always been a lightning rod around here because of that, right? <laughs> we often talk about, right, if you buy a, a ticket to a sporting event, you buy a ticket to a Buccaneer game, you want to see Tom Brady throw a touchdown. If you buy a ticket to a Shep CBS Sports Radio production, you want that. <laughs> Everything DA highlighted. So seeing Shep back, if they're not hearing from him two years, was wow. And it just goes to show you, too, we had nothing planned for that PGP that week. We walked out of the studios after doing a show, ready to tape a PGP, and it was Shep's in the building. No, no, no. We, gotta need, we need to bring Shep in. He needs to be on the PGP and see what's going on. How about it, it, the idea? It Go also ahead. reminded me, too, DA, of like the trajectory of all of the people that have worked at CBS Sports Radio, like Shep leaving and coming back. Brandon Cristal, an original staff member, leaving after like eight days. We've had, you know, you've been on seven different time slots. I've been on six different morning shows. We've had people take full-time jobs, go, you know what? I'd rather be part-time and get like, and like demote themselves (laughs) full-time. Like this is a really, really strange operation. But apparently there's no place like home because we welcome Shep back with open arms. And like you said, it was news when he made his triumphant return to the building. Yep. It was like Schwartz returning. And I'll say this. Yeah. This is Shep's second stint at CBS Sports Radio. He's still here from this moment yeah. uh, on PGP 196. I will ask this. LeBron returned to Cleveland and won a title. Shep Oof. returned to CBS Sports Radio and eventually now is a full-time producer at night. Which return home is more successful? At the moment, it's LeBron because he has the title and four 
consecutive NBA Finals appearances in that 2.0 run. But Shep is building his catalog now. I agree. He's full time. <laughs> He's getting some memorable moments. The and not looking to bolt for LA. Not yet. He's closed the gap with LeBron. Is that what we're going with right now? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. I love Shep. I'm so glad that uh, that we have these moments, and he's he's always good to play along. You know, we always poke fun at him, but he takes it in stride, and he takes it with uh, with a good sense of humor. So we love Shep around here, and it was good to have him as part of PGP 196, the return. I'm coming home, coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Shep returning. Let's move along to number 247. Now, this was the era of the PGP where we did, what do we call it? Permission granted profiles. Permission granted profiles. within the PGP. Yeah, and this was an idea, I believe, Mraz, born out of your brain. I believe so, yes. Wow. Well, if I remember correctly, we were in a little bit of a rut on side B, okay? (laughs) Uh, If you might notice now... How you, funny is that sentence? Well, we were. We were. And we've tried some things over what the years. What does a rut constitute? I'll All we you. do is talk about the show. I'll tell you. So we had Kenny Brock early on, me and him, always side B, always side B, always side B. Then we had the evenings. It was whether it was me and James Ward, me and Steve Moralia, me and Joe D'Aloisio. And then when we moved to mid-mornings, you got a lot of me and Pete the body Bilotti because Andrew Bogus had a lot of other duties and time was short. It got to a point where, you know, look, there's only so much Pete the body you could take on a week-to-week basis on a PGP. No offense to Pete, but you know, it can be very soft-spoken. Uh, sometimes pulling answers out of him on a PGP were like pulling answers out of some of the NFL draft prospects we've had. Of You know, you know, get one wonder answer. Conversations don't go the way you want. So we got to a point where it's like, all right, we're going to continue with Pete, but maybe every other week mix, mix it up, get some new voices. And my idea was, how about all these people that are downloading the PGP? They're giving it the time of day. We hear their Twitter handles get rattled off. We hear them call into the show. Let's find out about them. They're always finding out about the show. So we went, I think, a good 15 profiles or so. And it wasn't just listeners. We did a Shep. Uh, we did people who will not be named. We did extra characters on the show as well who weren't full-time members. And we had some fun for a couple months with PG Profiles. This was a really good project for Moraz. It forced him to really think about Side B as a personal project as a signature element of his of his day, of his week. We had mentioned that second show. He was then producing Bart and Maggie, Bart Scott, Maggie Gray, Middays on WFAN, the local channel that we have here in the building on CBS, within the CBS umbrella, but in New York. And so he was doing our show. He was doing that show. And this gave him a focus and a purpose, as Shep would say, to marry his job and a purpose. And so he started interviewing listeners of the show and it brought up pgp 247 when hurricane jen joined there's something about him and i'm sorry about kevin durant and i hope he's okay are you about to cry over kevin i want my warriors to win okay i all right we'll go warriors for you now all right so let's just and i want my yankees to win too let's boil this down here you said you've been on radio a long time. That just means calling in and winning stuff, or did you actually work in radio? Um, my mom worked um, for a country station here. Okay. My dad was a country singer, and I, yeah, I pretty much um, rock and roll station. I've been on, um, well, Howard Stern. As a call, I, as a caller. 
And by the way, we should say you're, you're saying here you live in upstate New York. Um, actually, I got paid um, through oh, got... Times Square Media and, oh, okay. and Nielsen Radio. Um, but when I first started, no, I didn't get paid. I just did it as as a cooler. And um, you know, I was in a bikini contest. Oh, really? On Howard Stern. Did you win? Um, I've been on. No. Ah, that's a shame. No, it was for I was like seventeen. And um, interesting. It was for breast implants. <laughs> so you were trying to win breast Neither implants? Not. Was that the... I wanted breast implants at seventeen? Oh, so so the winner would have gotten breast implants. You lost. Did you ever get the breast implants? Um, I didn't lose. Well, you didn't I win. Think I was like the fourth runner up, but you know, well, they're would, all California girls that have fake. Oops, excuse me. That's okay. Am I supposed to say that? You're not supposed to, but we're going to take that out. It's okay. <laughs> okay. okay. But they uh, have fake butts, fake boobs, fake, you know. So I do know. Of course I love. But, you know, I'm real. You are? I'm real. You know, I've, when I was 17, I developed a little bit more. And, um, and now on you, top. And now you don't need the implants is what you're saying? Um, No. Good for you. Good for you filling out, Jen. We're happy for you. Now, <laughs> now you've always lived. I love you. You, you always. I love my DA. You do love Where's him. Where's my DA? Your DA. Where's McDonald's? Uh, yeah, McDonald's. Where's Sweet Fries? Sweet Fries. Well, you're hungry. You're talking about <laughs> filling out. You're talking about DA. This is truly what I thought we would get out of this. So you've lived, have you lived your whole life in upstate New York? Um, No. No. Um, okay. My parents have, were divorced. When I was like probably seven, and I've lived my life um, in New Jersey and upstate New York. Okay. Both places. So you've been in North. All my life. You've been in um, Northeast. Six months girl. in New York, six months in New Jersey. My father was a major fan of horse, the horse industry and the horse racing. Okay. And so you grew up, you like grew up I said, watching horses. He was a country. Country Western singer and outlaw country Western singer. Um, mostly his favorite was Merle Haggard, Hank Williams, Sr., and um, Dick Curlis. And wow. Was he a professional singer? He just like covered at bars and stuff like that. He's a professional. He was professional. Yep. So he had like an album? He, I prom- Oh, yes. What's his name? We could look him up. It's, well, I put out I put out his music a lot. Um, well, not a lot, but <laughs> Hurricane Jen is one of the great characters in DA show history. For the twenty some odd years I've hosted a radio show in some city market or network, she is one of the craziest callers of all time. She would routinely call up the show, start by laughing, then start crying in the middle of the, the call only to get angry and then start laughing again, which is, we always said when she calls up, it's like a hurricane. She blows through and you are left like hair disheveled. The whole room is, is all messy. And you're like, what just happened? And that was, that was hurricane Jen. It was, that was the most compelling permission granted profile. I mean, Bogues, how many things did we hit there? Including, a very good line of questioning by Mraz to say, did you ever get those implants? <laughs> <laughs> but that was going to be my follow-up. 
he asked good questions, but did he ever actually do anything? Like, did we find out? Did he find a picture of her on the Stern Show, a clip of that? Did we know her dad's country singing name? Like, there were a lot of nuggets there that we did we ever get a final answer on. Did we? No, and I tried to do a lot of research through looking up her area, who she was, phone number, back research I did. I never found any correlation with her father. We may or may not have found some criminal record stuff as well. We do know that she was in music because um, she did show us evidence that she was, I think she showed us evidence, that she was a record promoter, that she was in marketing. So she would bring CDs to to music stations and deliver them, and I think I, I don't know that we have some of the evidence of that. I, I've got to be honest and step in here. I don't know that we. Well, got I mean, that. look, Hurricane Jen may have been a bikini girl on the Howard Stern show. That's amazing. Her father may have been a country and western singer. That's amazing. She admits <laughs> to developing by the time she graduated high school. That was an amazing admission. Um, you know, just a lot of. Curses. Yeah, cursed. There was just a lot of everything in there. And that was. Starts off crying about Kevin Durant's injury that was ready for that NBA finals. That's when that was. (laughs) Yes. Kevin Durant starts crying about Kevin Durant blowing an Achilles. Insanity. And by the way, it's sad. Here we are. We haven't heard from Hurricane Jen in two years. Hurricane Jen, best known for calling up. And sometimes we would hear chickens in the back or roosters crowing. Be like, is that a rooster? And would she say, yeah, the roosters are coming in my yard or something like that? And <laughs> she also once thought Rex Ryan was talking to her on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's this whole thing where there was a Rex Ryan fake account. <laughs> and she DM'd the fake account topless photos. <laughs> Well, that was a profile. That was one of the all-time greats. I miss Hurricane Jen. I hope she's doing okay. That brings us to 297. And now we're into the pandemic years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) These, depending on your outlook, were either the best of times or the worst of times. Incredibly creative PGPs and DA show episodes or the dark, dark days because there were no sports going on. And so at the outset of COVID, when everything shuts down, We said, well, we still need to fill four hours of the show. How do we do so? So we concocted a bunch of things that were not built around current sports, but all built around former sports or fake sports. In this case, Mothership at the Movie. So every week, the crew would decide on one sports movie, and our homework for the week would be we have to watch it, and we're going to break it down to the show. Is that Wednesday mornings we did it? I think so, because Trash Tuesday... Then Wednesday, Mothership of the Movies. Right, and so we would do a PGP on a Wednesday following that. Yes, that's right. So during pandemic, we're all stuck at home. All we can do is watch TV or movies. So we all pick a movie, and then we would come on the show on Wednesdays and break it down. It began with one segment. We're going to break down the movie. (laughs) Then that spun into two segments during the show. We're going to break down the movie. Then... There was so much to talk about because we started treating these like the ball games we were savoring, waiting to analyze, that we then spun the post-show PGP into more Mothership of the Movies. And there was no, as as ridiculous as this concept sounds, because we were not breaking down like the acting or the directing or the script. We were breaking down 
the sports in the movie. Like, yeah. how did the Cubs win a World Series if Henry Rowan Gardner goes down with an arm injury in the NLCS? Yes. <laughs> we got to clearly the pinnacle of sports movie ridiculousness, the movie Ed. Now, this is from 1995. It oh. stars Matt LeBlanc, Joey from Friends, who's a minor league baseball player who happens to have the arm of God. He throws about 100 miles an hour, right? But he, I think he's got no control. His teammate happens to be a chimpanzee. Happens to be. What's the main story there? We don't know. We couldn't quite figure that out. So the chimpanzee mans the hot corner, third base, as Joey is the starting pitcher of this minor league. And we just couldn't stop analyzing this movie. Ed, here is PGP 297. It just was a lot. It was an in-your-face kind of film. It was like a Mountain Dew commercial from 1996. Yeah, but I think the, the main premise you still have to remind yourself throughout the film is you're focused on how quickly you can clean up strawberry ice cream spit, you know, spilt all over, is that a chimpanzee is playing third base and has an arm that can burn the yeah. mitt of a first baseman. I Maybe that's, that's where the focus point. should have been. I guess that is a good point. <sighs> I don't know. This one was a hard – this was a tough watch. This one was a tough watch. I found myself dozing off in the middle of it. I didn't do doze off. I found it uh, to be, to me, very ironically funny, maybe because I am a bathroom humor guy. I found it funnier than Ladybugs. I did. And honestly, I was impressed by the amount of baseball that was able to be broken down in this. I mean, we didn't even get into Ed turning an unassisted triple play, which is just one of the That's great plays point. in Major League history. That's a really good point. Uh, they're Somehow just, running on all fours, but he has the ball in his hand. He actually runs down the runner and tags him out. <laughs> but again, I think to me what really sells me, DA, and, and maybe we can wrap on this, so many cheesy sports movie endings. I thought a mile away, Ed is getting out of the hospital. He wakes up. He's ripping off the tubes. By the way, we didn't even focus on this. He's not a veterinary clinic. He's at an actual hospital. <laughs> which is another part of this that goes unnoticed. We forget he is a chimpanzee. He gets out of the hospital, hypothermia, whatever his case was, hospital gown on, and doesn't have the cheesy movie ending of here's the uniform, here's Ed to save the day, he's coming in to play third base and they're going to win the championship. He just sits in the crowd because he's too banged up to play. <laughs> I never saw that ending coming, no, and I, I appreciated a movie that had Mickey Mantle's chimpanzee playing third base and a movie where a guy is throwing 125 miles an hour, <laughs> a movie where a chimpanzee could drive a car. They Yet they managed to not go cheesy with the ending and give you a realistic ending. No, he's on the injured list. He cannot play in the game. He's too frozen to play. He's going to come there, sit and watch, and he'll be there for moral support, but he didn't come in and draw the big walk, turn the big triple play. The realism of the ending, to me, is why this movie getting a 0% of Rotten Tomatoes is a disgrace. It's an underappreciated movie. And if I was them, they're down 20 mil. Reroll it out. Let's go. Re-rack it. Pump it back out there. Let's get it out. There was a, just a lot of questions here about the release of Ed. And if I'm the script writers, I make the guys who stole him hurt him enough to where he can't play baseball. I don't have him Aww. fine in the cage and then get hypothermia because Deuce Cooper has a brain fart and keeps him in the back of a refrigerated car for an hour. But it came back to Deuce Cooper's lack of thinking. But, look, I would say this. They came up with the idea. This would be my guess. And you report right we should have the director on. Chimpanzees are in. Okay, well, the chimpanzee plays sports. Well, what sports is he going to play? He's going to play baseball. Okay, he's going to play third base. Yeah. He can steal bases. He doesn't have a strike zone. We'll get with that. 
Then they said, okay, we need a big actor in here to play with the chimpanzee. Okay, we'll get the guy from Friends. I think they organized all of that and said, okay, now let's write a script. And as it went on, then they needed to create some reason, some kind of point where, you know, this was going to happen. I think they ran out of ideas and making sense. They, they, they organized the movie the wrong way. You need to come up with that script, plot line, and everything first, and then go over everything else. In many ways, what you just heard, PGP 297, was a turning point in DA show history. We had hit this kind of critical mass of total insanity during <laughs> pandemic where we were spending hours watching and then more hours analyzing the worst sports movies of all time. <laughs> when you hear you, this was height of pandemic where there is no sports. I remember this was into June. Okay, so we'd start a pandemic, March, April, May. We're now into, like, the really bad sports movies. <laughs> we had done all the good ones, or most of the good ones. So now we're into, you heard Mraz mention Ladybugs. We began that month or so with a Rodney Dangerfield coaches a girl's Little League soccer team. <laughs> that Bogus had quickly realized not good to watch with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got into Ed, which was a baseball-playing chimpanzee. Moved into Eddie, where there was the dog that played. No, no, no. no Whoopi sorry. Goldberg sorry. coaches the Knicks. Whoopi from Goldberg. the stands. Whoopi Goldberg coaches the Knicks. And we... tries to prevent the Knicks from relocating to St. Louis. <laughs> right. Right. And then wasn't there another animal one we did? It's not Air Bud, but wasn't there a hockey one? No, we were well, going we, to do the chimpanzee on ice. That all came out the same year. That was the year the chimpanzee Dunstan checks in the hotel. Yeah. Right, right. We went over all of that. Right. right. We didn't know who was actually checking in, who was Dunstan, who was the was the <laughs> ape. I mean, it was it was it was a lot. And I don't want to speak for you, DA, but I think that this remained this this series that maybe is coming back again, summer of twenty twenty two. I don't know. Um but I this this may be the lead in the resume, in the bio, in the obit of the DA show that Mothership of the Movies was genius and strangely flawlessly executed by us idiots. What you just heard, there were corporate Zoom meetings in which our show was getting complimented over other shows during the pandemic. Look what these guys are doing. Matthew LeBlanc's pitching. They're breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow this... This brainstorm of ridiculousness actually took off to where other shows were like, we've got to find other creative ways to do sports if there's no sports on during pandemic. And it just, it hit this perfect note with us. Because amazingly, the four of us, I, I think I could include Pete here, maybe yeah. a little bit less so. But at least the three of us, our sensibilities skew absurdist. Our sense yes. of humor skew absurdist. And using the show to go there is really funny for all of us because I guess as much as Mraz freaks out about sports, there is an element to you admitting that it is it is all kind of silliness and fun and games. So, like, certainly Bogus and I take sports less seriously than you. Yeah. But that this show is kind of constantly a way to, 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 to just tongue-in-cheek make fun of everything right. and nothing could be made fun of more than like a monkey baseball movie <laughs> I, yeah. and I, I i can't and to let... treat it seriously was the bit <laughs> right and i can't take 
I can't let this clip go without just pointing out two things that are so special to me when listening back to this. Number one, DA's clear frustration in his voice that we had spent this week on Ed. The disappointment that this was the movie. The like you can hear the the, the undertones in this clip are like, oh yeah. I know. And this then was this a happened. Tough watch. Like this like he's admitting to almost falling asleep in it. And like his yin to my yang of being enthused by the movie just disgusts DA and these undertones like no but, other. And number two, I will tell you that this segment has changed my marriage forever. <laughs> of course it has. My wife finds it incredibly frustrating now to get into a show, and boy, our movies are now far and few between, because the way I approach the serious nature of a legal pad out in multiple pages of notes, <laughs> I can no longer just watch a show for a show or a movie for a movie without pointing out that can't happen. What would be the after effects of this? That that I, I'm sitting there like Gruden with the Telestrator watching This Is Us last night. It can't happen. So uh, she will like run to the TV if I'm out to catch up on the show just to get me away from watching TV with her now. By doing this every week, and we must have done 20 of these in a row or so, was that it sharpened our skills into analysis of the absurd. It started training your mind how to look at things a different way. Usually... Watching a movie is a passive experience. And when you watch a sports movie, you just kind of expect it to be somewhat unrealistic. What we were doing was training ourselves to think about all of it as though it was a real game. Coaching strategy, decisions, you know, all these types of, like, game outcomes. And so this is why this was exasperating is because I'm supposed to sit there and watch a baseball game with a chimpanzee chase down a base runner by running on all fours. <laughs> it was athleticism. To, to turn a triple play. <laughs> and there's there's so many things. Like, this was Mickey Mantle's monkey. That Mantle had passed away and his estate had bequeathed the monkey to somebody. Yes. And that monkey happened to be awesome at baseball. Of course. And... You know, Dia, you you promoted the clip by saying like we didn't take the acting part seriously. Sean did. I mean, he zero Rotten Tomatoes is a disgrace. <laughs> is a sentence he says in this clip. I mean, he he went to bat and you know critiqued plot decisions. Like you and I think had a tougher time, not just with this movie, but like multiple ones, overcoming how bad they are to like concentrate on the job at hand. Yeah. But this guy was Siskel and Ebert sitting there going through with a fine-tooth comb and liking them more than he should. I mean, zero Rotten Tomatoes, zero score is probably a little low, but we're not getting double figures on Ed. So I don't know how much argument we're going to get there. It's not a good movie in any way, shape, or form. But there's Sean telling you how it stands up to Citizen Kane. Yeah, no, it it really is this kind of apex moment of the show because it encapsulates so much. And I, I actively remember listening to the PGP after we recorded it as I was taking a walk down my road. It was, again, pandemic, and so I was walking a lot, trying to get outdoors, couldn't do a lot of other things, and I was cackling to myself, audibly laughing as I walked <laughs> down my road because the whole thing was the peak of ridiculousness. I mean, this movie lost $20 million, <laughs> probably only cost $2 million bucks to make, and it somehow lost 20 It was in the middle of a series of chimpanzee movies, Dunstan checks in, what was the one that most valuable priming yes, that was, was the it, monkey yes. playing ice hockey. This one, I mean, it was just like monkeys were everywhere in movies. There was bathroom humor in this. 
Also, the, the chimp nearly dies at the end from hypothermia, but as you said, does not come back to play baseball, only sits in the stands for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was like the movie was 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 chaotic and disorganized and ridiculous. And again, I can't get over this. And I remember saying this on the on the PGP analysis. A movie could have been made about a baseball playing primate or Matt LeBlanc can throw 125 miles an hour, just can't control it. It did need to be both. (laughs) Somehow this movie had both storylines. And you were like, you had to pick a team, which one you were on. Am I on the monkey storyline team or am I on LeBlanc storyline? Like you, Matt LeBlanc could just be a normal journeyman minor leaguer that happens to befriend a monkey that plays his team. But he also is a flame-throwing superhuman baseball player. Right? How did this minor league team get blessed with two attractions to come see? They got Nolan Ryan Plus and the chimpanzee that can play third base. <laughs> and it's a minor league team. They're still drawing flaws. It's not, it's not even a major league team. <laughs> they need Zanaboni. They, they needed the hat Zanaboni. trick. They needed Zanaboni calling their games. Oh God, this is. And then, so I say it's a turning point because it was Apex. But also, we started after that being like, let's pick better sports films because a lot of listeners were like, "Hey, I don't want to watch these films. I want to watch them alongside you guys, but I don't want to watch Ed. I don't want to watch Ladybugs. Why are you forcing me to watch these? Like, what?" Go watch The Natural. Go watch real films, then we can play along. But if you remember, this was the penultimate because then we followed it up with Eddie, Whoopi Goldberg, Coach of the Knicks. And then it was like people are like, whoa. Yeah. Enough's yeah. enough. And then we did The Natural, and we came in and we thought it sucked worse than Ed. <laughs> Let's move along to PGP 304. This one is referenced regularly on the show. It's become shorthand on the show as well when – Somebody makes a mistake in their pants. <laughs> we call it the oopsie. Well, I was taping the PGP side A with Merez, PGP number 304, so 96 episodes ago. And Merez, in the middle of this, he was doing it from his home. We were taping the PGP, and from his home, he had to get up quickly. He had just soiled himself. An absolute nightmare <laughs> when he actually gets games to go to. I guess games if he to, gets to go to. I don't know. Maybe he won't be able to. The first foul ball Schwartz catches at a game again. We'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> this is what I missed. Do you think thing. he'll finagle his way into actually getting to these games to cover them? He'll find a way into, like, some minor league team that is still playing. He'll get in there. He'll collect the ball, and he'll write about it, talk about, oh, this is why fan tribute games. <laughs> it's... It's coming. We all know it's coming, and it's going to be a nightmare when he's here. Yep. DA, uh, I got to run real one second. I got an oopsie. <laughs> what? What does that mean? I got an oopsie. What a disgusting human being. You could hear him pause. As I was talking about some of the short stuff, and that probably was him getting uncomfortable, wondering when I was going to wrap up, hoping that he could run to the bathroom. What a reprehensible person. Just disgusting. Absolutely piggish. And he's going to come back, and I'm going to have to ask him 
about how he couldn't keep his his bowels in check during PGP. Just, just so offensive, incredibly offensive, really incredibly, incredibly offensive, honestly. All right, so while Mraz is doing his oopsie-daisy business. <laughs> now, how about this? These are only separated by seven episodes. <laughs> so we're still doing it from home during the pandemic. <laughs> we went Ed 297, oopsie 304. I mean, Bogues, imagine trying to do a show or a podcast and the guy you're doing it with soils himself. I mean, I still don't understand any of this, DA. I don't know if Sean has the actual date of this show. I don't know how long, how much time has passed. I still hear it, and I still can't get past the idea, and this happens every time it comes up in the show with a, as a drop, and then listen to it again here. His sentence of, DA, hold on, I got an oopsie, said like everyone you know a couple times a week has an oopsie not da hold on <laughs> someone's at the door <laughs> da hold on i got to walk the dog da hold on my kids calling me as if we all relatively routinely have oopsies he said that sentence, and I and I and I believe he still believes that we like it wasn't that weird that that happened, and I'm never gonna <laughs> get past that. I know, I know it was so matter of fact. Uh, da got to run. Like he already had a term ready to go. Uh, da got to right. run. Uh, got to oopsie, oh. and then slams down the microphone. This was two years ago, so this was the summer of 2020. And maybe it was hot that day. Maybe something was happening. But you you became a little bit too comfortable in those days doing the show from home. Remember, you're doing them in pajama pants at one point. (laughs) Your wife was coming down, and she was just throwing laundry baskets at you. We had That was when the dogs were barking during the show. (laughs) He, like, urinated on my router and caused my internet to go out. Your dog pissed on the router. Like, I mean, it was, it got really... There were no rules. It got really unprofessional, and that was the pinnacle of it. I, I, I just have to say, like, just two things. You hear my voice quivering there, which was coming. You do. Remember, we only had Zoom during the show, so Cap and Son of so we couldn't see each other. So this clip doesn't happen, this moment doesn't happen, if we're not doing the show from home, just because I would have been able to wave you off and say, hey, I really got to run to the bathroom. <laughs> and we, I know our usual timing of the PGP, and it was one of those, my stomach kind of didn't feel right all morning. I had the, at least the breaks during the show, and I wasn't going to publicly let everybody know my stomach was bothering me. We were all doing the show from home. It was nobody's business. But for whatever reason, this side A carried on and on and on about Schwartz. And I remember distinctly, this was the very first day that my wife had to start going back in the office once a week. So my mother-in-law was over watching Taylor upstairs. And I'm having this moment, I'm having this moment, and I run out of time. I just run out of time, and I crapped my pants while doing the PGP. I run out of time. What does that mean? That means I like I'm staring at a bathroom, and I have beads of sweat dripping down I my forehead. I ran out of time. Like I couldn't. Like I, you weren't wrapping up, and I just ha- I have to go. And as I went, it happened. And then I was faced with half. I was the fear of explaining the DA what had happened off air, and having to now be 
butt naked downstairs and yell up for my mother-in-law to go through my underwear drawer after I've taken a bath and throw down underwear and shorts and explain to my mother-in-law that while at work downstairs I had pooped my pants. (laughs) It was horrible. And I think this, you talk about a turning point for the show, is a turning point for me. Now when people ask, how could you lick a donut like that? I crap my pants while taping a podcast. Nothing else matters anymore. I mean, I'd still think we could find room to not lick a donut like that after the oopsie. But yeah, still, I, I he's he's defending it here again. Like, I ran out of time. Like, I've never run out of time. Like, I've all, I think I've always been able to get myself to a toilet no matter how long the podcast is running. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I still don't get this. Say this often. Walk a mile on my 11 wides, folks. Go back 96 episodes to 304 and listen to the lead-up. We can't play the whole thing here, but you can hear Mraz's answers get shorter and shorter. <laughs> it's it's a classic trope of the show to just bellyache and complain about Schwartz looking for free stuff. I mean, we've done this forever. It's, this is just like the 97th time we've done it, and I'm talking about it, and, and Mraz usually is all in. And he's just not giving me a lot. It's just like he's cutting off all of his answers short. And I'm thinking, like, what's going on? And then at one point, I just, like, lob a grenade. Ten, nine, eight, seven. I lob a tennis ball over, and he just doesn't answer and goes, uh, D.A., I got to go. I got an oopsie. Now, why he has to say, I got an oopsie, I don't know. Could just say, hey, I got to go. I'll be right back. But just you could, and you could hear the panic where I got I got an oopsie. His voice quivers, and then he slams down the headset, the microphone. Like, you couldn't even take it off and place it down. It was run for the hills. It's, it's also not live. He could have said, D.A., my stomach's a I mess. Know. I got I got to be done, or I got to go to the bathroom, or like, or give me a second. He didn't we'll even have to run away like that. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Oh, my God. And so... We could only put one of many moments of Mraz's disgustingness on this podcast, so it can't run too long. But there was another moment earlier in history where Mraz burped on the PGP. He was doing side B with Berman, actually, and just let one rip, like, and this just kept going on and on. And I heard it, and I was offended because it was such a disrespect to the listener that I'm putting so little energy into this side B I'm just going to burp my way through it. <laughs> that wasn't my intent. And, I didn't say I'm going to burp my way through this. But, but that's how lax you were, that you could just burp on the air. Like, imagine, Bogus, if you were just doing headlines and just ripped an audible burp and just kept going through the scores, <laughs> how despicable that would be. And I was like, no, this can't be how lax the attitude is on side B if I'm not You on didn't it. hear me on the air for a month after that. <laughs> The so, ultimate freeze out in the history of the show. So I suspended Mraz for, what was it, three PGPs? Three PGPs, but there was a full Monday after. I was in Atlantic City. I'll never forget the text from DA, and I didn't know what to do with that. My entire weekend was ruined. Monday, DA didn't even acknowledge me or say a word to me. I gave him the topic list. He did the entire show, walked out, left, went home, didn't say a <laughs> single word to me. The next day, Tuesday, same thing, same treatment, and it wasn't until... The second hour of the second day where he took the, out the trash on me and then wanted to tell me, this is your chance to trash me on air, and then you're back off air <laughs> for the rest of the week and three PGPs. 
I was so offended. I was hearing this going like, so when I'm not on the air with you, it just becomes burp fest? Like that's how rancid the program is? That's how lazy we just got? So, no, that was a, a teaching moment. But this has to be, if we're going to put one moment of Mara's disgustingness in there, the oopsie. And now that's what we just call this. Now, you know, Bogues, like Mraz had shorthand, now we have shorthand of if you soil yourself, you had an oopsie. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, America, for mm. our addition to your daily language. We wrap up with PGP number 384. This was only 16 episodes ago, but this still remains one of the most controversial moments in DA show history. Wordle was a big thing a number of months ago. Is it still a big thing, Bogues? Um, it's still a thing, but which is part of my argument with Sean, like it'll, it'll fade out and it's faded away. Like it's at least in terms of people posting their score with little blue and yellow boxes, that has definitely taken a dip, but people are still playing it. They're now less, I think, inclined to share all their scores. Right. And so Mraz was upset with all the people he was following on social media, posting their scores, filling up his Twitter feed. And so he said, I'm going to turn the tables. And I'm going to now start tweeting out the word of the day for Wordle to ruin your days. Bogish got really upset at this. Many, many people did. Mraz insists he was cajoled into doing this by other people that were upset about, you know, these timelines being filled with Wordle scores. But the Mraz versus Bogish, you know, the battles, I think if there's a rumble in the jungle and a... You know, a second one. What was the other one? <laughs> there was the Rumble in the Jungle and... Uh, I don't know. The second Frasier and... The Thrilla in Manila. Oh, yes, yes, yes thank that's you. that's right. Yeah. So if the Rumble in the Jungle was Mraz v. Bogish and Wordle, the Thrilla in Manila was... What was the other big one you guys The had? Monkey Love. Oh, yeah. Monkey More Love. More monkeys, yes. Right, Monkey Love. But so this is kind of the original peak um, distaste and disdain between the two. This is a game for 39 seconds a day that somebody has a free minute to do it. Uh-huh. They post it. Some Their friends go, oh, I beat you. You beat me. Ha, ha, ha. And by you and you putting the word out there are taking that away. So you're doing exactly what you say you're not doing, which is my point. Like, and I, not to get too serious, it's a really shitty thing to do. It no, really, really, not. it really is, Sean. Because whoever you like friends-wise that's playing it, just text them your score. Hey, how many did you get in today? No. How many did you get? No, we don't have to do what you want. You should because you're in everybody no. else's business on the timeline. You can you can check yourself out of this. So you're allowed to tweet your grid, but I'm not allowed to tweet a word. Why are you allowed to tweet what you want to tweet, but I'm not allowed to tweet what I want to tweet? Because I'm not hurting anybody. You're doing something. I'm hurting somebody? You're doing something malicious. Malicious? A hundred percent. It's a word game that takes 30 seconds. I'm not breaking out an action and you're murdering give, And anyone. you're giving... No, no one's saying that, thank goodness. But it's still, like, it's just a crappy thing to do. It really is. Like, you're you're preventing people from doing 45 seconds and that makes them feel good for no reason because you don't like it. It's a, it's so selfish and immature. Play the game and come up with your own forum no, to share your No, leave scores. us alone. Twitter is everybody's forum. Leave not, us alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. And now I know. Which is why you're a horrible person. You Be- really are. This is a because really, I want a curse. This is a really, you know what thing to do. It really is. Because you continue to share your score. Have you had one conversation? By the way, and I checked this. Yeah. 
I didn't see one reply to any of your Wordle scores. So what do you mean? The reply is the reply is what everybody does. The reply is oh god. And I and I I can find you a couple. I reply to everybody that, that does it or post it. Of course not. Oh, that is such a reach. That is such a reach. That's the point. Nobody actually cares that you got a word in three or four. Nobody cares. But nobody cares. It's a self fulfilling thing. Is exactly what you're doing. Great. But yours, but you have the it. you have the negative. No, why do you get to do that? See, this is like, like I can't believe you're having. I don't want to get so upset about such a stupid thing. But this, you suck for this. You well, suck for this. And I'm mad at everyone that's around you. This is your mom's fault, your dad's fault, oh, there are your fake cousin's business. fault. People in the business have told me I should be doing this. Great. I don't care. Every bad I'm, person and bad idea has had support. So that does not do anything for me that people agree with you. Then you all suck. Then I will tell you this. I am going to be monitoring your Twitter account for the next two days from different accounts. Go ahead. If I see those Wordle scores shown, you have 48 hours before the text messages at 4 a.m. start coming into ruin words. Go ahead. I, I don't, honestly, man, I'm okay with whatever you want to do because I'm okay with everyone, the majority of people, realizing how you know what this is of you. And if you don't care about that, that's fine, but it's a really crappy thing to do. And I can't wait to spoil something for you. I really can't. America will look back on my oh, stop time it. I'm leaving in 10 years and say what a hero he is. Uh, Andrew Bogus has walked out of the studio in frustration. PGP 384. Maybe the only time anybody's walked out of the studio. Bogues, I'll give you the floor. Well, thank you for that, DA. Um, I didn't listen to this clip in preparation for the for taping things i didn't want to get angry again now you made me listen to it and like i'm angry again because it remains a really crappy thing and the people in the industry are angry still drives me nuts too like i don't care that somebody that hosts in cleveland or houston or wherever is texting you and agreeing with you that wordle was annoying and again, you're the king of annoying things, and we all have to accept that. But the second something happens that you don't like, you have a tantrum like a three-year-old. It still is ridiculous. It's still super shetty of you, but at least it stopped. My retort would be, I, listening back, I've never been more right about something in my life <laughs> oh, than this. I'm serious. The point I got bogus on was this. You can play Wordle. Nobody's telling you not to enjoy Wordle. It was the sharing of the scores where there was this fake belief that anybody actually cared what you got or what somebody else got. And Bogus is lying if he says he cared what anybody else got in Wordle. He cared about what he got, and he wanted the world to know how smart or not smart he was on a given day. Full disclosure, here we are, what, 16 PGPs later? There is not a day that goes by that I don't play Wordle, one of the first things in the morning. I find the game to be extremely addicting. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Well, if you love it, why did you want to ruin it for other people? I didn't love it at the time, but I didn't. I don't oh. love to this moment. Whenever I see it show up, it's the ugly green boxes. It's clutter in a timeline. I just think there are certain things in life that should be kept to yourself. <laughs> And of one of them is your world scores. Of all the people, we just had a clip where you shared that you went poopy in your pants. <laughs> Unintentionally. Now, if I accidentally shared my Wordle score, then you have the right to come after me. Just like you have the right to come after me because I crapped my pants. On this Nobody cares alone, about your Wordle score. I was right. 100% right. Your milky ass and your soiled <laughs> underwear, and you have the gall to say something should be kept private? <laughs> 
Something yes. shouldn't be shared. Yes. I remember that was me fighting against my milky ass and me fighting so hard to get through a Schwartz thing without crapping my pants. So, yes, I'm telling you, I didn't want those things out there. They're out there. Your word will score. Nobody cares. And I'm happy that you pulled back. But the idea, you were on the verge of tears. You were going to cry because I was going to text you the world. I wasn't going to cry. You were on the verge of tears. No, no, no. Wait. I was on the verge of really screaming and cursing at you, but I was not going to cry over this. Let's not get crazy. I was an American hero for a couple weeks there. An American hero. Yeah. They, our country thanks you for your <laughs> So that is the retrospective Oof. for... Hundred episodes of the PGP, my oh my, hundred more to five hundred. Yeah, and what do we do for five hundred? Probably something similar. (laughs) 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 We got to figure that every year is about fifty PGPs. So this was about eight years. We won't hit five hundred for another two years. Will we even be a show in two years? Well, I hope so because my my mortgage went up with the renovations. So. (laughs) going to hope that that happens unless one giant step takes off in which case connor green good luck putting together pgp 500 the boil years we had the forgotten (laughs) years there were no mentions of this the night show then there's the covid pandemic years and now there's the boil years pgp's 25 through 511 i'm just always worried that somebody in corporate goes like why have we let these guys do this for so long? <laughs> I always have this sinking feeling. A hundred like, times? <laughs> well, yeah. For, even the PGP is one where I'm like, we're still getting away with this. And They then, wanted to profit on it. We were good doing it on our own. <laughs> yeah, right. We did this just as our own project. Forget even inserting ads. And then sometimes on the radio show, I'm like, they're letting us do this for the ninth year in a row. We're going to have a decade of doing this. And they haven't said no yet. So I'm always a little worried that the jig is going to be up at some point (laughs) they keep giving us a national platform to do this we talk about monkey movies we just gave them seven moments in an hour as to why not to take us off the air so (laughs) well that was pgp 400 so thanks everybody for listening and for downloading all the permission granted podcasts hopefully you enjoyed this one it continues every single week we put one out usually on tuesdays Or Wednesday, sometimes we take a day if somebody is out or we need to take a beat or something like that. But always get it on the DA Show podcast feed by searching the DA Show. Subscribe, rate, and review. That helps other people find it. Also, it has its own podcast feed. Just search Permission Granted. And I'll remind you again, if you listen to the show on Odyssey, it has all podcasts of shows within the company inside that app. So you can listen to the PGP there as well. Guys, for the next 400... Be well and try to avoid oopsies. <laughs> Words of wisdom. We are signing off. See you for 401. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.